Welcome to this edition of the Great Minds series brought to you by InnoVersity. Today, I, I'm, I'm just excited. We have one of my favorite people on the planet uh, on the podcast. Um, her name is Kristen Hadid. Um, Kristen, uh, Kristen graduated um, in 2010, and of course, you can tell as much of your story as you want, Kristen, but from the University of Florida, having sort of messed around with a the idea of a cleaning service, and since then, she's grown that company to hundreds of employees. She works with millennials. She's she's just a, a fantastic person. My wife and I uh, absolutely love you, Kristen, and we're we're so glad that that you're on this. Um, Student Made is the company, and uh, Kristen has been spreading a message of how to work with millennials and and uh, how to deal with failure. Um, she has a TED Talk in case uh, you're interested. Her her TED Talk is, is called uh, How to Retire by the Time You're 20. And I kind of wishing like 33 years ago I'd known that that was possible, but it might be a little late for me now. But that that thing's had over two and a half million views, Kristen. That's amazing. And I am not retired. <laughs> and I didn't retire by 20. It's not really about that. It's just it, the talk is about... Um, following your your inner child and and not losing that creative spirit. Well, that makes me feel good. So now I won't cry, cry <laughs> myself to sleep tonight. Yeah. Uh, but your your book, tell us about. So I, I a little bit of background. I, I met Kristen in um, Aspen, Colorado, and uh, it was at a, a conference, a small conference of maybe twenty people talking about um, millennials and. Uh, so there were some older people like me there, and uh, Kristen was one of the people that Simon Sinek brought in to spend, I think we were together three or four days, and uh, to talk really about, you know, uh, how millennials think, what millennials need, how to connect, and and uh, Kristen was one of, of three people that were sort of our millennial experts, and uh, there we developed a friendship, and so it's it's just been a blast to see you go from, um, you know, that person a couple of years ago to the uh, uh, to to a person who on October 10th is about to release a book. I have to tell you a quick story. So I think on the first night we were all together, um, the, uh, the the head of Penguin Publishing was there, and he and I were driving back to our to the place where we were staying, and I was driving and he was in the passenger seat, and I said to him. If you don't sign Kristen Hadid to a book deal now, you are out of your mind. And he started laughing and he said, oh, yeah, I'm already on it. So that that's that's how compelling your story was after just spending one evening with you and listening to you, Kristen. So, again, um, give us I – mean, some of our readers, uh, listeners are, are, are going to know you. Some are not. And so I just – Give us a thumbnail sketch of your biography. How did you come to start uh, Student Made, and uh, and and what do you learn? And then I really want to get to talking about the book. Great. Well, first, thanks for having me back. I always love talking to you. It doesn't ever feel like an interview. It just feels like a conversation. So thanks for having me back. And yeah, so I uh, ten years ago I was in college and was very broke. I was studying finance. I thought that I would move to New York and become an investment banker. And not because I, I loved finance, just because I knew that you could make 
six figures out of college. And so that's what I was chasing after. And I just happened to go to the mall and fall in love with this pair of $99 jeans that I could not afford. And I, I thought, what is something I can do to make enough money to buy these jeans? And it sounds so silly and it's so embarrassing that my company started over a pair of, of jeans, but that's what happened. I, I put an ad on Craigslist to clean someone's house. I charged exactly the price of the jeans. It was a disaster. It ended up taking seven hours to clean the house when I, I told her it took me two. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. I did it. And she asked me to come back every week. And that's how it started. So I, I cleaned for her. And then she told her friends about me who told their friends and I forgot to take the, the Craigslist ad down. So before I knew it, I had a roster of clients and I was cleaning pretty much every day. So as time went on, I hired a few fellow college students and we would clean together and then I got a big contract to clean empty apartments. So that's when I hired, um, I hired about 60 people and something really significant happened during that, that contract. It was only a three week contract and a couple days in 45 of the 60 students quit. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you could say that was, <laughs> well, it was a, it was a terrible moment at the time, but it was also looking back, it was the moment that I became, I think, obsessed with learning how to be a leader and learning how uh, to build a company that people didn't want to walk away from. So a moment of clarity. Yeah, it was. And I was still in college then, but that's sort of when I made the decision to pursue this, this cleaning business. And I graduated, I, I ended up getting those employees uh, back. So the 45 gave me another chance, but you know, I just didn't, I didn't know anything about leadership. So that was, uh, in, that was a long time ago. I was still in college. I turned down a job when I graduated and decided to stick with the company. And here we are. And I think it, we've evolved a lot. You know, we, we definitely are still a cleaning company. We, we dust and vacuum and we hire students and, and they, um, we want to give them a job that's flexible around their classes. But I think more than that, what we have become is a place where young people can learn how to be leaders and how to be successful. And our whole culture is about teaching them the skills that they don't necessarily get in the classroom so that when they leave, they can have what they hope to have. And, right. and some start businesses and many take <laughs> leadership positions in companies. And it's just, it's interesting how much has, you know, changed since that Craigslist ad. It, it, so there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, you left out a little part of your story, and it's one of my favorites. Because because your first action in going, falling in love with the genes was to call your parents, who said, yeah, absolutely not. Figure it out on your own. <laughs> and and I've never met your parents, but I can tell you I love them because, well, yeah. Well, let's say fashion is not an emergency to my parents, uh, and, <laughs> you know, ever. But no, that they were. that's how they were, and that's how they still are, you know, they – very much uh, raised my sister and I to have to do things on our own. And they, and, and at the time it, it was frustrating, you know, whether it was answering our homework and uh, on our own and not helping us or not giving us money to buy jeans. Right. But now I realize that they were teaching me to be independent. It's, it's something else you said is, is profoundly interesting to me, the, the evolution of how you think about your company. And of course, you know, Innoversity, we, we started with just two of us and now we're the pretty substantial group of people. And it evolved. You think of 
at first your company is something that you do. And it's <clears throat> it's like, well, what do you do? Well, we we you know I I help lead a company that does X, and I I, I never you know mistakenly I never really talked at the beginning about um, the people because there there really weren't any. I mean, it was just me and my partner, and business partner. So you know, uh, but as the company has grown, as we've had added more people and so on, suddenly that transition comes where the real goal of the company is to th- see people thrive. And so that's now kind of our mission statement, our core value. We want to have thriving people. Oh, by the way, we do that by making fun and interesting e-learning and virtual instructor-led training and so on. But 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 what we do is important, but what's more important is thriving people inside of our company and inside of our client companies. And it sounds like you've kind of made that shift. Yeah, I, for the longest time, it was so confusing to me. Why this cleaning company? Why am I excited to get out of bed and go to a place where we dust and we mop? You know, it didn't add up. And I knew, I always knew there was something else that I loved about the business, but I, it just took me a long time to figure out what it was. And I think this was my first real experience being a leader. I didn't, I didn't have any prior experience to this. I was only 19 when, when I posted that Craigslist ad. So I think what it was is I, I was learning how to become a leader. And as I was learning, the people around me were learning because Mm -hmm. I was, I would, learn something myself. And then I would teach the the people in the company so that they could also learn that. And I realized that that's actually what leadership is, right? Leadership is when you take something that you learn and you spread it to others. And right. we were all learning together. And so I think student made now is a place where anyone can be a leader. We believe in everyone's potential. We believe that it doesn't matter how old, or how experienced, inexperienced you are. And now that, you know, I don't think it matters exactly what the business is, what the industry mm-hmm. is, what, what we're actually doing. For me, I've realized that's what I'm excited about, <laughs> teaching and watching people learn and grow. And no matter what industry I'm in, that's, that's my cause. That, that's what I'm here to do, to help people grow. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, in the last couple of months, I met with the owner of a trucking company. It's a pretty large trucking company. I mean, they have, you know, hundreds of uh, semis and so on. And um, he was showing uh, me his mission statement and his values. And I read him and it was about, you know, helping people develop their skills and leadership and so on. And, and, I, and I, his name is John. And I said, John, it's so weird that nothing in your mission statement <laughs> says one single thing about what you do. It doesn't say anything about the word truck is not – the word semi is not in your mission. He goes – yeah, I know. That's kind of a byproduct. He said that that's what we do on a daily basis, but that's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to develop people and watch them grow and develop their skills and become leaders. And and it and it struck me like that's profound, you know, and 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 kind of moving and compelling and I get why everybody wants to work here. It's not because they all want to be truck drivers. It's because they want to be part of that culture that values them. So let's talk about the book. October 10 is coming up. Um, 
what was it? Give us the title and give us the details and where we can find it. And then let's talk about what you decided to write about. Well, the book is called Permission to Screw Up. (laughs) And it's about how I learned to lead by practically doing almost everything wrong. And yeah, it comes out October 10th. It You can pre-order it now on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. It's on all the, all the great book sites. And okay. uh, actually, we, we what's so funny, not, hearing that story from you um, from when we met in Aspen, I actually shook, we, we made a contract on the way, on the flight home, we just shook on it. You know, we decided that I would, I would write a book, Adrian, um, with, with portfolio, a penguin, just amazing guy. He really took a chance on me. And then I, you know, we shook on it and then I'm like, well, wait, what am I writing about? I don't know what I'm writing about. Why do you think he did that? Well, you know, that, so that, that conference, that was the first time that I had ever spoken on the topic of millennials. Mm -hmm. And I actually, what's funny is I didn't know that I was a speaker for the, for the conference. When I got there, Sounds exactly (laughs) like Simon Sinek. That sounds exactly like what Simon would do. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. He says, you know, you need to, I really want you to talk about um, the challenges that millennials face, how we can help support them. And, and I had never really thought about that. So I, I couldn't understand why Adrian would want me to write a book because here's the first time I'm talking about this topic. And I felt like uh, I just, I didn't really, you know, prepare too much or know too much. So I thought he wanted me to write about millennials. And so that's what I started doing because that's what I talked about. And then I got stuck. You know, I I realized this isn't the direction that I I want the book to really go in. And I went to New York and met with with him. And he said, that's, you know, you're right. That's not what I want you to write about. I want you to write about your story and the thing and what you think people need to know about it. And the thing about millennials is, you know, no matter what generation we're a part of, we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. And the things that we teach our students, while many of our students are millennials, they're things that apply to all human beings. And so I just, I guess what I realized in writing on the millennial angle is that there really wasn't much substance there because here I am writing a millennial book, but everything in it is something that I think we should all practice. Right. So long story short, two and a half years later, we have a book. (laughs) I mean, I... (laughs) Is that how long it's been? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't know. I I you know time flies, but I you know I I know you've been been working on it, and and it it's interesting because I I I do associate your thinking, and I think the reason why Adrian wanted you is because your story is compelling, um, and and you know there there are right when you hear a compelling story, you want to make sure it gets heard, um, but I it, I I find it interesting that you came around to from this subset of humanity called millennials, um, which sometimes gets too much focus as if they're a different animal. Uh, and, and you kind of came back to, wait a minute. No, these are, these are universal human traits, human needs, um, that are true of, of every generation that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you landed there. Me too. And so I, I started with the millennial angle and then you toss that idea out the window, started again. And I was about maybe four chapters in and I thought, this is easy. Why, why do people say that writing a book is so hard? This is a cakewalk. I mean, I, you know, I think I wrote a chapter in a couple nights and I, I just so happened to be going to dinner with a friend who has written several books. 
And I kind of joked, I said, you know, this the whole book thing is pretty easy. And he said to me, yeah. you know, I, in my experience, I find that I know I'm writing, I know I'm writing the right book if it's really hard to write. Mm. But, huh. That's not a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> <laughs> so I tossed that. And now what I realized is that I was writing a story of success. I was writing how student made started where we are now all these amazing things that we do and you know and i wasn't really getting deep and and bringing myself back to what was it like when i started and what are the things that i had to learn along the way and what were the struggles that we had and how do we get through them and when i started the company i would read all the time that's how i really learned i learned from other ceos and other leaders and coaches and psychologists you know i would I would read every weekend. And what I remember about that is I, I loved reading about businesses, but it would be the beginning of the organization and then where they were now. And yeah. while I learned so much from these stories, I always what le- I was left wondering, what, how, how did you get from there to there? How, how- right. and, and the title of every one of those books is, should be Why I Totally Rock, right? And, and you go, wait a minute, and if you've been through it um, – there's lots of times when you don't rock and you, you're just dumb, you know, or or you're misguided or, I mean, you, you just do things and you think that's going to work and they don't. Those to me, those those are comp- – the other ones, the ones, you know, the, the Why I Rock books, um, I've read them. You've read them. Most of the people listening have read them. Um, they're not real. And, you know, maybe they did exist on the shelves, but I wasn't looking for those because when I was when I was in that place, I was looking for anything that would be about success and teach me how to be successful. And so those were the books that I what are the tricks? What are the tricks? Yeah. What what do I need to do? And so when I really sat down and thought about it, I realized that the, the way I got to where I am and I still have a long way to go, but it was by screwing up and. And I know now why not many people go there because it's hard to go there. It is hard because you have to remember times that you've sure. maybe don't remember poor decisions that you made, um, treating people in a way that you now would never want to treat somebody, but you didn't know then. Uh, you have to remember the emotions that went along with that. You might have to tell a story that doesn't paint you in, right. in light that you want to be painted and maybe changes someone's perception of you. And so it's easier. And and then of course you're like, you know, some stories you, you, you fear, well, if I, if I write this story, then what will my current employees right. think? Well, so I get it, but I can honestly say that I wrote the hardest book. I know it's, it has to be the right book because it was so hard to write. I mean, I, almost threw my laptop off, off a balcony so many times. Well, and, and you, you have to avoid the temptation of revisionist history where, yeah, I screwed up, but look, here in the end, I'm still the hero. Right. Somet- sometimes you just screwed up and, and you didn't. Right. You're not the hero at the end. Right. So I, I think my hope is that the, the book gives people courage to admit that they aren't perfect Right. To talk about the you know screw ups that they've had, because I think when you talk about it, you make it okay. And the only way we all know the only way we learn and grow is through failure. But it's just such a taboo subject. It's just you know we as leaders we we feel like we have to be strong and we have to paint this this 
picture of success and that if we aren't strong and if we say that we are unsure or that we messed up, that we now are creating fear in people. But really, that's not true. When we are honest, when we admit that we don't have all the answers, when we can stand in front of our people and say, I screwed up, it actually builds trust. They actually see us as human beings. They actually trust our word more because we're not afraid to admit when we're wrong and when we don't know how to move forward. It's, it's, uh, you know, that's why humility is one of the cardinal virtues, right? Um, and most of us think, well, I don't, I don't, I can't be successful and humble. I, I need to be, you know, arrogant, pushy, type A, all the rest of it. And um, we think of humble people as weak until you meet one. When you meet a humble person, and, uh, and, 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 and you've interacted with a humble person, um, you know it immediately. And you know, that, you know that you have trust in them because they will tell you even truth about themselves that is hard. And uh, I, I get where you don't want to – where you, you want to throw your laptop, uh, laptop off the balcony because at, at some point, you go, can I – can I do this? Can I say this? Can I, can I actually admit that? So what do you hope? I mean, it's a crazy thing to think about, right? In, in a few weeks, you're going to, your, your, your book, and it's available for pre-order now, but in, in, you know, a whole bunch of people uh, are going to get a copy of it, right? And UPS or FedEx or whatever is going to show up and all these books are going to go piling out and thousands of people on October 11th are going to be reading words that you wrote. Um, what do you want them to get out of it? Yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around that. You know, I, right. it doesn't feel real yet. And I'm very much a storyteller. Um, I don't, I, I, I like learning through other people's stories. So that's how I wrote this book. I, I, it's a story. Now it doesn't mean that there aren't takeaways. It's just, it's not your typical, maybe step-by-step, you know, business book where, um, it's all outlined and, you know, this is very much a story. And what I hope is that people will see themselves in my story because I think the things that I've been through and that, um, the, the questions that I ask myself and the fears that I have, I think these are fears that many of us have and that things that many of us have been through. But again, it's just maybe not comfortable to talk about. So I hope that when people read Permission to Screw Up, they will feel uh, better about themselves, better about their leadership, realize that this is normal. This is how it is. This is, you know, and and again, I, I really hope that the result of this in the end is that people are more inspired and, and have more courage to, to talk about these things with their people. Because when you can talk about these things, it's liberating. There's this this phrase, it's lonely at the top, you know, and uh, when you're the CEO of a company or you're leading a team of people or, you know, you, you may feel like you don't have anyone to really confide in or you don't have anyone to share your struggles with. But what I learned is no, I have a lot of, I have so many people, all the, everyone in my company, I can go to them and say, this is what's going on. And, and when I did that, it wasn't lonely anymore. Hmm. And so I think that, um, that's, that's what I want people to do to just have the courage to talk about it and not worry what people will think, not worry about judgment, that this is a part, screwing up is something we all do. And, and the moment that we can just accept that and admit it, everything changes. 
Yeah, <clears throat> all the dynamics and the relationship change because again, uh, truth, you know, honesty. You're 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 actually telling the truth to each other, and you know, you're in a leadership position. You lead a company. People, people are going to do what you do. People are going to react the way you react. People are going to watch what you do and don't do, and they're going to change their behavior. They might emulate you, or they might say, "Well." can't really talk to Kristen about this because you know how she gets. Um, yeah, that's uh, that that that's that's pretty profound stuff. But I do um, want to say too that the book is not it is not it doesn't matter what your rank is. It doesn't matter how high up you are in a company or if you just started in a co- you know right. I wrote the book to be to be for everyone because the the truth is that there are people in my company who changed me as a leader. They. You know, they on their second or third day did something that totally changed my leadership. And so I want people to know that they no matter where they fall in an organization, they can make a difference and that we can all uh, be better leaders. You know, it doesn't matter how how young or how old we are. And I've I've heard that in, in, you know, when I've heard very, very successful business people speak and then there's usually a and a uh, time afterwards, and a very frequent conversation is, uh, or question is, is this? Uh, that's great because you own the company. That's great because you're the CEO. Um, I'm the assistant manager, like the third assistant manager. Uh, what am I supposed to do about that? I, how do I change? They, they they feel they're stuck in a culture where where this kind of thing. Um, wouldn't work and they think they can't influence the culture in which they work. Um, so I'm glad to hear that, that, you know, this is not a book just for CEOs, the, you know, back to your statement about people in student made on your, on your team there. Um, they have leadership as a potential. They are leading things. They are changing. They're influencing the culture. They're, they're changing the people around them. Um, by what they do and what they don't do. Well, this is, uh, I, I just, I can hardly wait. I, I think I'm getting an advanced copy and uh, I, I, can, I can hardly wait to unwrap my, you know, FedEx box or whatever it comes in and, uh, and, and dig into it. What, what's, uh, what's next for you? I mean, so I, I'm imagining you'll, you'll be traveling around a bit and doing some book tours and what what's what does the next year or two look like for you? Yeah, a lot of traveling and speaking and and certainly events around the book. But I think the book actually has helped student made sort of rediscover who we are and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. Before the book, our vision was we will grow to to be on every college campus and. That's what we always said over and over. But at the end of the day, we weren't excited about that. And I don't think anybody was waking up to, you know, racing to the office because that's no. been excited to work. You know, they were more they they were no, so excited. I, I need to, to stop you there because that's that, you know, an awful lot of companies say, well, if you're on every college campus, I mean, how is that not a compelling vision? Mm-hmm. And you're saying it's you're saying it's not. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like something was wrong with me because people would would say, I want you to open here and I want you to open here and I want to buy a franchise and I want to, and it was like, I just, just something in my gut said, Hmm, this isn't, don't, you know, this isn't the direction that I think we should take right now. And I, and 
the book helped me realize that what it is, what, what it is about student made that is so special, I think, is that we created a place where people feel valued, supported, they can step up and become a leader. They, they leave better in the most unglamorous mm. place. It is a, an extremely challenging business. The, the margins are very low. Yep. We don't have money for, tra- for training, development, promotions, bonuses. You know, we, we have automatic turnover because we only employ students who graduate and move on, but we made it work. And so I, what I really want to do now and what the team is so jazzed about is helping other organizations emulate the culture that we have. So taking what we've done at Student Made and actually teaching, creating courses and curriculum so that other organizations can do this. We've even talked about potentially working um, with with schools and getting some of this stuff in the classroom so that kids at an early age can learn how to develop meaningful relationships, how to confront someone productively, how to listen, you know, things that are so critical to our success, but we aren't really taught um, in, in, you know, in school usually. So that's what we're excited about. I'm not saying that we won't expand to other college towns. That's definitely something that sure. we, could re, we could explore in the future. But right now, it's how do we take what we've done at Student Made and actually teach other organizations how to do something similar. That's funny. <clears throat> Your transition from a college graduate in 2010 to seven or eight years later, you've gone from um, a learning organization with a steep curve um, mm-hmm. to now a teaching organization. Yeah, you know, I, I used to, I remember thinking, why couldn't I start a tech company? Why couldn't I be a, a fashion designer? You know, why couldn't I have just chosen something a little more glamorous? And <laughs> and now I'm so thankful that, that this is the business that chose me because it's been so hard and it's, there are so many obstacles that we're, that we're faced with, but it's because of that, it's made us sure. so much better, you know, and and we've we've been forced to really learn how do you make people feel this way because if if we don't there's nothing else that they're staying for. Right. So I, I I'm so thankful that this is this is the work that we're in even though it does come with a side of mildew and dust. <laughs> but it but it if if the true work that you're doing revolves around thriving people, which is our term, and you know you growing leaders and so on. If if that's your real work, that's incredibly glamorous. I mean, it's wonderful. It's compelling. It's attractive. It's, you know, this, the other stuff, the mildew and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, that's part of the job, but that's not ultimately what you're doing. Right. And the, and the book is very much about how, how we learned to make people feel these things. So I learned, uh, how, how to empower people by being the person that micromanaged and controlled people. Right. I learned how to make people feel supported and loved by making them feel alone and, and unloved, you know? So it's, it's, right. that's what the book is. And, and I hope, I just hope that the, you know, at the end of the day, you could say, well, if a cleaning company could do it, I, I, <laughs> I think I do it. Bar's company. pretty low here, people. Come on. <laughs> we could all do it. I hope so. Right. Right. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for your for your time today. Um, just can't wait to uh, to see how the book does. I'm sure it'll be on the New York Times bestseller list and Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And and uh, I I just think your 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 thought process and and your story are are compelling. And you know, it's not easy to share your story when you're sharing all the good stuff. But thank you for uh, your willingness to to share some of the stuff that's tough and some of the stuff that is hard and 
even some of the stuff that <laughs> might be a little bit embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's that's our opportunity to uh, to learn from you. So thank you for taking the two and a half years that it took to sort <laughs> through this and get it right. And thank you for for just being such a, a believer in um, in what we're doing and for talking to Adrian that night in Aspen, because perhaps you're the reason that we're here. No, he had the idea long. I I take no credit (laughs) for that. He had the idea long before I said it. So, but thank you. Well, we look forward to the book. And again, Kristen, thank you. Uh, We appreciate you being with us on the uh, podcast and on the Great Minds series. Um, Thanks for everything that you do. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good.